that we would have the eyes of our hearts opened. God, that you would pour out your spirit of wisdom through Patrick. God, that he would just speak the words you have him to say, God, and that we would hear with open eyes and open hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Just, uh, again, a, a quick reminder about the upcoming celebration of Resurrection Sunday. You know, um, it's somewhere around Halloween we start celebrating for Christmas. We start decorating. We start getting prepared and all that kind of stuff. And that's awesome. Uh, if you know me, I, I love that time of year. But you know, in the scriptures, there's only two Gospels that even mention the birth of Christ, and neither one of them give this specific date. And we're not told anywhere to celebrate that, though there's nothing wrong with celebrating it. But we put a big emphasis in celebrating Christmas. But we tend to overlook Easter. We tend to overlook Resurrection Sunday. Not that we overlook it, we just... We just don't have that big of a, a buildup for it. Well, if you've been paying attention to what we've been preaching on here, we're, uh, well, for about the eight weeks prior to Resurrection Sunday, we're, we're talking about events that happen in the Passion Week, that, that week from uh, the triumphal entry on Sunday to that Resurrection Sunday, uh, that, that period of events that include the crucifixion and, and whatnot. We're... We're looking at that week and what uh, Jesus did and said for a specific reason, because this is really important. Um, not only do we know the exact date of the crucifixion and burial and resurrection, we're told to remember those events every single time we eat. You realize that? It's not just, oh, you know, once a year, uh, remember this. It's as often as you eat and drink, do it in remembrance of that event. Do it in remembrance of Christ who accomplished those events. So in light of that, I just want to encourage you to be praying. Between now and then, I would ask that you pray for me. I'm going to be giving the message um, on that Sunday morning at Stevens High School. But more than that, I want you to be praying for somebody that maybe God would have you invite. Uh, it's not about looking for numbers or anything like that. What I'm saying is we have an opportunity to share the most incredible, amazing, important, critical message to a world that needs it. So be praying and asking God who you would, um, who he would have you reach out to and invite. Uh, Non-threatening environment, that's why we do it at Stevens. It's who didn't go to school, you know. So, uh, so be thinking about it, okay? Where we are this morning in the scriptures in that week uh, we're in Mark chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And we'll be looking at the first 13 verses of Mark chapter 13. 
But by way of introduction, kind of as um, a, a setting, for those of you who haven't been with us, uh, we are at this section of Scripture. It is Wednesday of Passion Week. Thursday, the next day, will be uh, where they celebrate uh, the Last Supper, as we refer to it as. Uh, and, then the, and then on Friday, of course, comes the, the crucifixion. This is Wednesday at this section of, of Scripture. Jesus came into town with the, the Hosanna um, refrain as he came in. Uh, people were abuzz. They're looking. They've heard about this guy. Now here he is. He, you know, he's, he's come to town, and it's, uh, it's a major deal. Everybody knows who he is, and everybody knows of what he's been doing. They've heard about him incessantly. The religious rulers have also heard about him incessantly, and they're tired of it. They want him gone. So at this juncture, things are heated up to about the max. He's been teaching in the temple since Monday. He taught in the temple. Then Tuesday, remember, he went and he cleansed the temple. He ran out the money changers. He made quite a stir. Things are at a fever pitch. This is Wednesday. He's been preaching again in the temple but where we pick up here is where his public ministry has ended. He's, he's done as far as preaching to the public, as far as teaching uh, to the, the throngs. Uh, from here on in, till he's delivered up, he's going to be interacting with his disciples and even more specifically then later his apostles. And so that's kind of the setting of, of where we are in Mark chapter 13. If you want to read it with me, it says, As he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Jesus and, or Peter, James, and John, and Andrew were questioning him privately. Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? And Jesus began to say to them, See to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will mislead many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened. Those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will also be famines. These things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you to the courts, and you will be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. The gospel must first be preached to all the nations. When they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. 
Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Father, we ask that you would clarify, that you would convict, that you would comfort, uh, that, that you'll teach us uh, through this passage of Scripture. Father, uh, we give you this time and ask that you accomplish it for your purpose. Amen. You know, this is a rather sobering passage of Scripture. But I want you to, you know, kind of put yourself... I, I really think this enhances your experience in the gospel. If you stop and you think, what would that have sounded like? What would that have looked like? What would that have felt like if you were there? If this was happening before your eyes, if you were one of the people that were involved in the story, sometimes I think we just gloss over things and we, uh, we read it like it's a storybook rather than a life book, rather than a real event, a real history of real people, flesh and blood like you and me. And this is one of those times I think it's really important because here... We have, uh, we have a, a buildup. We have seen these apostles. They've spent, by now, three and a half years with Jesus. Um, he called them. He, they, they, they've seen amazing things. They've witnessed incredible controversy and incredible signs and wonders. They've listened to amazing teaching. They've had the scriptures opened up and explained to them. These guys are now, we read earlier, we've seen uh, up to this point, they're getting pretty excited about this coming kingdom. The, you know, this is the promised Messiah. But remember, they're also still fleshly men. They cannot comprehend spiritual truth according to the Scriptures. The man without the Spirit cannot comprehend the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually appraised. These guys are trying to sort this out. They've already had controversies among themselves as to who would be the greatest in the kingdom. Remember that? Remember uh, their, their mother, uh, um, James and John, their, their mother came and, uh, and talked to Jesus about her sons being at his right and his left. And, and Jesus said, that's not up to me. That's not my decision. Okay? So these guys are looking at this earthly kingdom which Jesus would establish and they would be a part of reigning. So that's at the back of their mind. But he keeps telling them, Hey, guys, I'm going into Jerusalem, and I'm going to be delivered up to evil men, and they're going to kill me. And after three days, I'm going to rise up. And he has told them this repeatedly, time and time again, multiple accounts of him declaring this to them so that they would start to get it. So by this point, I think they've kind of gotten it. Okay. 
we're here, things are looking pretty good. I know the Pharisees and the scribes, the Sadducees, the, the, the church leaders, they're not too happy about us being here, but look at all these people. Man, they're, they're coming from everywhere to hear us. You hear you. Uh, but they're thinking, okay, when's this stuff going to take place? Well, Jesus gives them a shocker as they're leaving the temple after he's taught. They're leaving, and one of them looks around, and he says, look at all these buildings. He's looking at the temple grounds and the buildings that were erected there, and they were a sight. They were beautiful. Remember, Solomon, uh, by instruction of God, built the temple. That one was destroyed, and they rebuilt it. And it was, and it was beautiful. It was, it was, you know, it, it, you couldn't even look at it in the morning if you were coming from the, if you were coming from the east and the sun was behind it. It was so bright you couldn't even really look at it, and it was magnificent. And he's looking around. And he says, "Wow, look at these magnificent buildings." And then Jesus pulls one of those come back to earth moments when he says. I tell you this, that not one of these stones will be left upon another. This place is going to get destroyed. So he gives a prophecy of destruction. He's telling them there's something going to be destroyed here. We're not reigning from this place. This is not the temple from which I will operate. This place is going down. In fact, he had said earlier that, that those in that generation, those who were alive at that moment, many of whom, many of them would witness the destruction of that temple. And of course, we know in history, they did. The Romans came in and sacked the place in 70 AD, uh, roughly 40 some odd years after this uh, point. So, so that generation saw the temple get destroyed. Many of the Jews were slaughtered. Their religious system, and this is the point, their religious system that that temple and a worship at the temple represented was going to be destroyed. And with it, all the records. They no longer had any record of the priesthood. They didn't have, they didn't have anything left that whole uh, Judaism way of worship was destroyed, just as Jesus was now telling them. Because that's not how you're going to worship me, he said. That's not going to be my temple. We find out, of course, later that his temple is within each and every believer. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He says, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. He said, I'm going to operate remotely. But of course, they didn't get that, so he didn't explain it to them at that point. But what he was saying is, what you're used to is going to be over. It's going to end. So this is a new thing that's rattling through their, their head, this destruction. So as they're heading to... Um, Bethany, which is where they're staying, 
where at least Jesus is staying. And Bethany is kind of a suburb of uh, Jerusalem. It's just on the other side of the Mount of Olives. It's a short walk, really, uh, from Jerusalem around uh, to Bethany. They're staying with Mary and Martha and, again, Lazarus. Uh, and they're, he's, he's staying at their house. And they're on their way around, so they're heading east out of Jerusalem, and they stop. It says here on the temple, or on the, uh, the Mount of Olives, at the temple. And it's just four of the uh, apostles. It's Peter, James, John, and Andrew, two sets of brothers. And it's the four of them, and they're sitting there with Jesus, and they say, okay, this is getting somewhat hard to fathom. This is getting somewhat confusing. We're starting to get it, but tell us, when will these things be? What they're really asking is, you know, you said we're going to reign with you, so when is that going to happen? What's that going to look like? You know, um, give, us, give us an idea. Give us some hope. You keep saying you're going to die and be buried and then raised. How about some good news? You know, how about, how about some, uh, you know, some hope here? How about, how about a, give us a little visual. What's it going to look like and when's it going to be? Well, he gives them that, but it's not what they're looking for. The title of this message is, What Were You Expecting? What were they expecting? Well, they were expecting, you know, hey, we're going to reign with the king and we're going to, we're going to finally have authority over those who have oppressed us forever. That's what they're thinking. That's not what they're going to get. And if you look at what Jesus says, he's straight up with them. He says, uh, Jesus began to say to them, see to it that no one misleads you. It's an interesting start. He says, here's the deal. On the other side of all this that's going to happen, see to it that no one misleads you. The deceiver is still going to be there. And he's going to raise up those who will try to deceive people. He does not want, because of what I'm going to accomplish on the cross, he does not want anyone taking advantage of my victory. So he's going to raise up those who will say, I am Jesus. He's going to raise up those that'll say, that are false prophets that will say, this is the way or that is the way or this is what you must do or this is what God wants or whatever. But he says, see to it that no one misleads you. And we look back in history and there have been many false prophets. There have been many that have risen up and claimed to be him, Jesus himself. But none of them, of course, were. And you know what? They're still among us. They're still around. I said in the earlier service, look it up on the Internet. But then I said, no, don't. Don't even mess with it. There's plenty of them out there. I think you know that. But he says, there's going to be deception. Many will come in my name saying I am he and will mislead many. But then he tells them something else. He says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, 
Do not be frightened. Those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Saying, you know what? There's going to come division. People are still going to be seeking power. They're still going to be... Why do wars happen? Oh, there's all kinds of reasons. But what does it say in the Scripture? It's because people lust. It's because people hate. And if you look back in history, there's never been a time of history where there was no conflict. And there have been wars. There have always been people preparing for war. There are just in, in, in our country alone, in our history, look at the wars that we've been involved in, in at great cost, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War. You look at World War I, 20 million people died. World War II, 72 million people died. That's million. And those aren't the biggest wars. There have always been wars. And there will always be rumors of wars. And he said, you know, how many people thought? I mean, and why wouldn't you? In World War II, when you saw the persecution of the Jews, as a Christian, why wouldn't you think this must be it? This must be the end times. But it wasn't. He said, it's not yet the end. He said, there's also going to be disasters. There's going to be earthquakes and famines. I looked it up. I, I don't know how reliable a source it was. I looked at, you know, the register of uh, earthquakes in, uh, you know, the, since 1900. And I realize our reporting has gotten better and all that kind of stuff, but I'm just, just curious. So I looked it up on a couple different sources, and what I found was this. Since 1900 to 2000, in every decade, there's been an average of just over 30 major earthquakes in the, in, per decade, consistently. These are five plus on the Richter scale. Since 2000, the year 2000 to last year, 2016, there's been over 30 every year. Every year. So, where are we? I'm not here to frighten you. I'm here to remind you. Everything that Jesus said would happen is going to happen. Many, much of it already has. Yet the beginning of this has already been fulfilled with the destruction of the temple, the wars, the rumors of war. Don't get caught sleeping. We'll come back to that. He says these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. You ladies in here who have given birth and you men in here who were privileged to witness it, um, after your ears got done ringing, uh, what you noticed was this. 
in the beginning, you got woke up or, or called or whatever. Hey, I just had a contraction. Okay. We might be rolling here. Oh, I had another contraction. Okay, it looks like we're on course here. We better start packing. We better start getting ready. And then they kept coming. More intense and closer together than the last one. Until finally birth was given. It's not a random example that he gave us here. He's saying, when you see these things start to intensify and become more in frequency, pay attention to where you are. That's what he's telling these guys. And they're thinking, ah, okay, but we're probably going to be okay, right? Well, look what he tells them. But be on your guard. For they will deliver you to the courts. And you will be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. The gospel must first be preached to all the nations. He's saying, you know what? There is going to be distress. You know what it's going to be being my disciple? You know what it's going to be being my ambassador? You know what it's going to be like to be known by my name, to be an ambassador of my Holy Spirit as you proclaim from the temple of your body the truth about the kingdom, the truth about me. He says, they're not going to like it. I'm just saying. In fact, you're going to get persecuted, and he's talking to the apostles here. He's saying, you're going to be persecuted in the, in the synagogues. The Jews are going to hate you. And they are going to try to quench this, what they refer to as a rebellion, or quelch it, squelch it, whatever that word is. All of that. They're going to try to destroy you. He says, they're going to bring you up and they'll do just like they did with me. They're going to flog you. They're going to, they're going to you know, a flogging was 40 lashes, but they only gave 39 because they didn't want to go over and be wrong, so they gave 39 lashes. Remember, Paul said five times he received 39 lashes. It happened to these guys. They were martyred. And it's been happening ever since. People are martyred because of the name of Jesus Christ. That hasn't stopped, but it will increase. Look at what's happening in our own country. It's, it's safe to be anything but a Christian. It's cool to be anything but, and you have rights for everything but being a Christian. Things are changing. Just saying. But he also says it's not just the Jews. You will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. Read the account, and I know we've got a class going on that's taking us through the, the book of Acts. I'd encourage you to, to participate in that because you see in the book of Acts exactly what he predicted, exactly what he prophesied. They were hauled up in front of the, the, 
religious rulers and they were hauled up in front of the authorities of the land, the governors and the kings. But here's the good news. The gospel must first be preached to all the nations by the way that's been done. They, arrest, they will arrest you and hand you over. Do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. He says, but know this. My Spirit. Remember, this is this Holy Spirit that, that Jesus did nothing apart from. He knew nothing apart from. He said nothing apart from being led by the Holy Spirit of his Father, who he received at birth, who uh, everything he said or did, he did by direction of. That same Holy Spirit... He said, I will send that Holy Spirit. Let me read it to you, the promise that he had made to them in, in John chapter 16. See if I can read this. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and of righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but cannot but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will, ta he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. That's the promise he's, he's reminding them of is, is I am going to send the Holy Spirit to dwell within your heart, to give you life, to raise your spirit from the dead. You've been raised with me, he says, where the Holy Spirit directed through Paul. We've been raised with him. We're now children of the Most High God if you believe. And with that, you've received the Holy Spirit of promise through whom you can do all things. He will testify of himself. We're responsible as his ambassadors to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's what he's telling them. You'll walk with me, and I will express myself through you. The world still isn't going to like it then any more than they're liking it at this moment, he's saying. But I will give you what you need to endure it, to bear up under it. I will give you my spirit. Don't worry about what you're to say. I'll give you the words at that moment to speak. Don't worry about... Whether you'll be able to bear it, I'll bear it through you. Don't worry. This isn't what they were expecting to hear, trust me. Would it have been what you expected to hear? What were you told when you came to Jesus? 
that all your problems would go away? That life would get easier? How many of you did that happen for when you came to Jesus? I know with me, I just became aware that I was oblivious to how bad things really were. He didn't come to tell us, I'm going to take care of everything in this lifetime. He's saying, I'm here to prepare you and to equip you for everything that happens in this lifetime. In this world, he said, you will have tribulation, but fear not, I have overcome the world. And that he did three days or four days after this. He defeated the enemy. And the victor lives in your heart. You're now more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And you will always be more than a conqueror. But I'll tell you what can happen if you don't know that. You can get deceived. You can be led astray. There are a lot of Christians who have no clue who they are or what they have. And subsequently, what are they going to stand on when things get tough? There are many who proclaim to be Christians, but when things get heated up like this, you're going to find out if they really are because it's going to get tough. And it even is now. It's where the wheat gets separated from the chaff. But he says, those who are mine will remain. We don't have to worry about whether things are going to get too intense for us because they'll never get too intense for him. But what are you standing on? You guys have had tribulation in your life. Who do you turn to? What do you lean on? Do you medicate the pain away or do you turn to... Jesus Christ and say, Lord, this, this is not what I was expecting. I need your provision to sustain me, to lead me. Are you in the Word? That's where the instruction's given. That's where the confidence is realized. It's the language of the Holy Spirit who was given to lead you. Do you know the Word? And I don't want you, in light of the increasing of earthquakes, to jump into the Word, although that would help if, if it works great. Get into the Word because it's where you find your lover. It's where you find your father. It's where you find your friend and your brother. All the ways that he revealed himself to us as our husband. He's good. And he'll give you everything you need for today. And he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough issues of its own. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect work, that you would be found perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Every day is an opportunity to get stronger in your faith. And it comes from eating of the bread of life and drinking from the fountain of living water. So we come to communion.
Communion was a, an abomination to the Jews. Remember, they were told from the beginning, you can't eat the life of the animal with the, or you can't eat the animal with the life still in it, that is the blood. Blood equaled life all through the scriptures. That's why everything had to be drained. Everything had to be kosher to the Jew because God was teaching them life equals blood. You bleed, to, you bleed out, you bleed to death. He was making a, a picture here. He was ingraining it into their minds because of this. Remember he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you an abomination to those guys. This is cannibalism. He told his apostles, I know this is tough teaching. I'm, what I'm teaching you is spirit. He says, the problem is you're separated from me and you need my life. And I will send my life. I will send the helper, the Holy Spirit. But first, you must be purified. You must be cleansed, and you can't do it for yourself, so I will do it for you. I will offer up my body as a living sacrifice. I will offer up my body, and I will be wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of my sin will be, or of your sin will be upon me. I will take it, I'll bury it, I'll leave it in the grave and I will rise again free from sin and alive with the life of my Father that I lost by becoming your sin. That's my promise. So whenever, he said, whenever you get together, whenever you sit down to eat and drink, remember, I'm with you. I'm the bread of life to nourish you for what you have going that very day. I'm the fountain of living water. My spirit now dwells within you to work through you, to enable you to live as I live. That's what communion's all about. It's a remembrance. It's not physically eating the body of Christ or drinking the blood of Jesus. It's a symbol of the truth that the life of God now dwells within the life of the believer. The Spirit of God is now quickening, making the, the spirit of the believer alive with the very life of God. And it's that very life and strength of God, the wisdom of God that he's referring to right there that we are going to need every single day. And it's going to get more so every single day. So are you ready? And are you letting this have meaning? Because this isn't just a, something we do once a month. That's why he said every time, whenever you break bread or eat or drink, do it in remembrance. Because we need him every day. So this is a reminder. So as Donna comes up, she's going to play. What I would like you to do is just Talk to God about whatever he's talking to you about. Make sure you've settled it with Jesus. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today's the day to start. Because we're running out of days. I don't care if it's tomorrow or if it's a thousand years from now, we're, we'll be one day short at the end of this day. 
If you have made that profession, if you have made that decision, are you living it? Are you growing in it? Are you trusting the power of it? Sit and contemplate for just 30 seconds, 60 seconds, whatever you need as Donna plays. And then we've got communion set up, two places there, two over here, one here, one in the back. Uh, on your way out, stop by and do it in remembrance of him. And then have a spirit-filled, Christ-centered rest of your day and the rest of your week. God bless.